You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, Seminole Headlines podcasters? Thanks so much for listening to the program. As always, the podcast brought to you in part by our friends at the Morgan Law Group. Today, no different. Appreciate them enabling us to do this for you. What else they'll do for you is uh, work hard throughout the state to ensure uh, that the insurance companies are doing the right thing and they're not acting in bad faith. Uh, they will they'll get after the insurer if they are. They'll inspect and assess the loss on your behalf. By the way, they are throughout the state just because an insurance company tells you no or there's a certain amount that they're willing to give out doesn't mean that's the end of the story. Find out more. Go to policyadvocate.com. That'd be policyadvocate.com. Or call 888-904-2524. Onward we go with Seminole Headlines. It's time for Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, featuring ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron, Warchant.com's managing editor, Ira Chauffel, and senior writer, Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, Pistols and Pies, starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. The Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio begins right freaking now. That's right. There it is. There's Ira looking at his phone. There's Corey taking a sip of soda. We are we are off to a flying start. This is how we roll. Dude, my uh, <laughs> my daughter just texted to let me know that uh, she got accepted into uh, she'd already been accepted into FSU, but she was accepted into the theater program, which she oh, was really boy. excited about. So, uh, oh, that's a good text. deal. Yeah, man. So uh, sorry, sorry, to, I had to look away from the to the phone for a minute, but that was uh, that was really cool. So, no, good for I, Alexa. I'm only teasing you because that's usually how the show begins. You need you get it together, you snap into into form. But this is a real good reason to be looking at your phone. So, congratulations to Alexa. That's awesome, man. Yeah, We're excited. Man. That's really cool. Might be a little register sausage night at the Showfell oh. House. A little celebration. Hey, <laughs> a, I that's like how it. you celebrate. That's how you celebrate. Yay, Yay sausage. sausage! Yay, theater school. <laughs> that's fantastic news. Good, good. What a way to sleep. We can only go down from here. There's no way to keep this thing on a high note after that. That's about as good a news as that's the real world, not the nonsense we talk about. Yeah, that's, exactly. That like, that's and, real. And if to, you know, if we're going to have the big celebration party, we'll order it from registermeats.com is the website, and you can get your register sausage for your special occasions. If your kids yeah. get into a college or a theater yeah. program, they can uh, order register sausage from registermeats.com. Boy, he's a consummate professional. He'll take he it is, over like man. Tom Block around here. He's, he's, blow, he's blowing right now, though. He's happy about it. That's really cool because I'm sure that was like her, her spot, right? That's the one she wanted to go to? Yeah, yeah. She she applied. You know, she got into really, I mean, she's a gifted kid. She got into uh, really the, the school she wanted to. But Florida State, I think, in their theater program was her her top choice. And uh, so, and we found out you know, a few weeks ago she got accepted to the school. 
which was awesome. But now she got accepted by the theater program too. So yeah, it's awesome. She wants to be a playwright, which I'm Ooh. sure is a real lucrative career. Actually, you know what she wants to do? She just told us this the other day and it's um, pretty cool. She wants to write for SNL, which would be uh, pretty awesome. Oh, so, well, okay. Yeah. Although I'm not sure about that life. I've re- I've read some of the books. I'm not sure that that's where I want my kid to go, but but I I'm guessing they all don't suc- succumb to the vices that are uh, available to them. No, and if you survive it, you end up really rich. So you Which just gotta nice. survive it. You gotta go through the hell, and then you're gonna be just fine. Um, you know, go ahead and reach out to one of our mutual friends, Sarah Silverman. I'm sure she'll give her some advice, and we'll all be good to go. Here we go. Perfect. We got perfect. connections sure in the comedy world. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so it is. We begin Seminole Headlines with really good news. And I think it's a good thing. We're all kind of on the come down after football. I can't get too excited about this baseball team. Corey, I thought you wrote a pretty good piece the other day on Warchant.com. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty good. I heard myself say it out loud, so I thought I'd reiterate <laughs> how, how average I made that sound. Um, no, it's fine. I think it sums up what the team is. It's just nothing to write home about, but they don't suck. I mean, they could win a series. They could go to the College World Series. We're not doubting that they could. They could lose right off the bat as well because outside of three kids, they can't hit. They can't hit water if they fell out of a boat. I get tired of watching their ass strike out every freaking time. It's unbelievable. Unless Nelson's up or one of the Martins, you can go get a beer, kind of go do what you want to do and just understand you're about to miss a strikeout. Yeah, the numbers are pretty uh, alarming when you take those three out of the lineup. Uh, no, clearly, if you take the best three hitters out of every lineup, the numbers aren't going to be nearly what they are with them. But it's remarkable that like those three guys have an on-base percentage of 580. The rest of the team is like 310. Those two guys slug five, or they slug 580. The rest of the team slugs 310. I mean, come on, man. You're six kids slugging three. And that includes Cabell, who hits a bunch of home runs it, when he hits the ball. He just can't hit the ball. Um, so yeah, there it's it's a it's a odd team to watch. The pitching's fine. Um, I don't know what they're doing with Carson Montgomery. They got to figure that out. I I don't think you're getting enough out of that kid. You're pitching him three and a, three and a third innings a week essentially in a midweek game, and he never pitches in the weekend. And I think maybe moving forward, figure out a way to have him impact weekend series that matter more than a you know three and a third. I know he pitched against Florida, so you wanted to save him for that. But yeah, who knows, man. I, I, yeah, I'm pretty disenfranchised with baseball in general. I'm excited the Atlantic League is moving the mound back a foot, moving the rubber back a foot. I'm hoping by the time Brady gets to pro ball, it'll be 66 feet and six inches. <laughs> and it's nothing but contact. <laughs> well, I, I mean, we'll get into the larger question about baseball problems, and primarily that has to do with the ball not being put in play and the league batting averages below 250 and strikeouts are an all-time high so you combine all those things and there's a whole lot of pitchers playing catch with catchers and not much else um but but that said uh you know i mean we knew we were warned mike martin jr said this year would be the year of the pitcher in college baseball because everybody's got loaded rosters i think that's true um but i also just find it deeply troubling that that lineup is uh really solely dependent on three guys to produce but again ira and i had this conversation yesterday We've learned our lesson. I mean, they were 15 and 14 a couple of years ago, and they weren't nearly as good as this team is on the mound. They couldn't pick up the baseball to save their life, and they were injury-riddled that year. And then they went on to Omaha. So we know that if you pitch well in a series, and they've got elite pitching, very good pitching at the very least, 
that you can win those series and get to your ultimate goal and give yourself a fighting chance. I, I don't know that you could ever circle them as one of these teams that you'd pick to win it because we're all picking Vanderbilt to win it or somebody like Vanderbilt, maybe Arkansas or somebody else. But I, I don't know. It's a weird season. I think it's got to be infinitely frustrating for Mike Martin Jr. because I feel like the rest of that lineup is so grossly underachieving. Like there are a lot of guys you know are better than what they're playing like. And I, I don't know how you figure this out because baseball is not a sport like football where you can maybe fire a guy up by disparaging him and getting in his face and challenging his toughness and all that. Baseball is not like that. I, I, if guys are lacking confidence, what do you do? Yeah, I think baseball, basketball to a degree when it comes to shooters. Uh, but I think baseball, especially hitting, baseball hitting – Basketball shooting to me are, are similar in the sense that you can't you want you want to challenge guys to an extent, but you because you want to bring out the best in them, but you also need to build their confidence. And so you got that that mix of you know earlier this season when you know they had a couple of their first disappointing performances. You know, Meat was very vocal in the post game press conference as we would expect from him to basically you know say I'm going to find somebody that'll get it done, and you know and then he, all of a sudden he's putting every pitcher in the lineup and doing everything he can to, to try to, but, but that's, that's one element of it, but you also got to instill that confidence. And, and that seems to be lacking for whatever reason, whether that's him not pushing the right buttons, whether it's them just kind of being in a, in a team wide funk. Um, but I think when you look at this team and what they could be in the postseason, you know, as, as Corey mentioned, you know, you put Montgomery in the pen or you were, I, I don't know what they're going to do with him to be honest. Cause I, I don't know. Do you make him the Sunday starter I mean, uh, I would not have me personally in a in a huge important series. In my opinion, Connor Grady can't be getting more innings than Carson Montgomery. And I'm oh, not, I, get, I, I like Connor Grady. He's a he's a he's a he's a solid number three guy. But Carson Montgomery might be a future major leaguer. I mean, he's a pro prospect. He's he's probably got the best stuff on the team. Not named Messick. It's it, you you've got it. You've got to get something is, out of him. Is he a guy that? But is he is he more useful? Is he a guy that could pitch twice in a weekend? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's but I don't think that's something you got to figure out. You can't. He kind of is. You're just not getting a lot. He won the Florida game for you, sort of. The, but you scored 12 runs that game. But other than that, he hadn't won yet. He you haven't really won games because of Carson Montgomery, and he's he's a really talented pitcher. Um, and I just feel like you got to figure out what to do with him. Whether it's two game Friday and Sunday in the pen, uh, Sunday starter. Who knows? You got to figure out something to do with him. But, you know, from that standpoint, I, you know, when you look at the pieces of this team and you try to project to the post, because one of the things, one of the criticisms I think was very fair of Mike Martin Sr. was that he coached for the regular season to a large degree. And it was about winning those series, about winning those midweek games and, you know, getting the 40 wins every year and all that, which was great. Um, but you know, sometimes didn't feel like, you know, he would go to the same reliever in the same situation every yeah, time. Yeah, guys didn't get developed, period. It was a right. problem, especially when you wouldn't let anybody else have a shot, even in midweek games, where you're kind of like, man, it doesn't really matter if we lose this game. Let's find out what this kid's like in certain situations. It was a criticism that I had of Mike Martin Sr. There aren't many, but I had one for a long time, especially in those midweek games where you're trotting out the same two or three guys. You're like, we know what these guys can do. You pitch them every weekend. Let's see what these other guys can do. I'm not worried about the record. I think the record's going to be pretty damn average, obviously. Uh, I like that they're being tested, but you got to get somebody else hitting the baseball. It's, it's driving me batty to watch they're that. They're hitting, uh, other than those three guys, they're hitting 200 as a team. 200. That'll they, hurt your they feelings. They strike out a ton. They don't hit for power. Other than those, other than Nelson and Robbie Martin, they don't hit for power, and they strike out a ton. Which is, and I wonder, I wonder what you guys think of this. Like, when, a, when an offense is really struggling in football – 
you know, the OC gets a lot to bl- a lot of the blame. When do you start blaming a hitting coach for his team not being able to hit? Because they don't make any adjustments. And obviously, Mike Martin knows how to hit what a good offense looks like. He knows how to teach offense. He knows how to teach hitting. But for whatever reason, you've got other than you've got 16 other. They've started 19 guys in the lineup this year, 19 different guys. Other than three, 16 of them, a lot of times look like they have no clue what they're. Are they just not talented enough? Are they not taking his coaching? Um, is he not coaching it well enough? Like, what is going on right here? Because to lead the country in strikeouts, which I think they do, I'm not going to look it up. I can't find that stat online. <laughs> Folks, you're listening. All, when you type in NCAA leader strikeouts, it's always the pitching staff they're looking at. They're never looking at team strikeouts for the offense. I know going into last weekend, they led every Power 5 conference in strikeouts as an offense because I looked it up. But I'm not looking up every baseball team in America. But, I mean, that's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to be striking out as much as they do. You know, by the way, you hit on something, and we'll touch on it when we come back. I've had a chance, and I'm sure you guys have too, to talk to coaches. This brings up another aspect, and it's not specific to baseball. And obviously some sports may lend themselves to being able to overcome it better than others, but I'm I'm hearing from coaches that, you know, kids not really being in school per se, on campus the way they normally would, has led to problems in terms of, being in their own head all the time because they don't have enough diversion and they don't have enough distraction to take away thinking about whatever it is, the particular sport they play is. Um, and I'll, and I'll kind of elaborate a little bit more when we come back. Seminole headlines, 97.9 ESPN radio continues in a moment. Seminole headlines. will take a breather more next Seminole headlines returns now on 97.9 ESPN radio. So yeah, I was talking to a coach the other day and he mentioned that, you know, in some cases, kids not being on campus with as many classes as they normally would have and being involved in student activities the way they would, a lot of times those serve as a, a needed distraction for athletes, a very needed distraction for athletes so that they're not super obsessed thinking about themselves, their sport, their results day to day, week to week. Uh, they have other things um, you know, distracting them from that sport. Like a, a common complaint, and I only know this because of the, the show that I do on Sirius XM, PGA, pro golfers, I mean, kids that go from college to pro golf say the hardest adjustment is that all you have time for is golf. That you finish your round, you go back to your hotel room, you think about the round you just played, the round you're going to play tomorrow, what you have to do differently to score better because you're, you know, it's a meritocracy. You're trying to keep your card. You go back out there, you do it again. If you make the cut, you do it for two more days. And then you fly to your next destination. You get your physio and you start thinking about golf again. And that it can be hard mentally when that becomes hyper-focused. I wonder if during these times guys start to scuffle like we're seeing with this baseball team and they're in their own heads more than they would be uh, without COVID, that they're, they don't have the needed distractions. And so a slump becomes elongated and they become too focused on it. Well, what's I think there's some validity there. I also think this is just a crazy. There's a dynamic to all this that is I think is playing havoc with a lot of people. You look at I was looking at FSU's the remaining schedule, so they got to go to Georgia Tech, to Notre Dame, to NC State, and I'm thinking, okay, well that's gonna be tough, man. That's those are those are two of them are really good teams. One of them's a decent team, and they're all on the road. But then you look at their records, Georgia Tech's. Uh, got a losing record at home. They're like ten and five on the road, but like seven and nine at home. Mm-hmm. NC State, NC State is nine and twelve, or excuse me, seven eleven at home, nine and two away. 
Florida State's got a better record on the road than they have at home. Notre Dame's got a, or Georgia Tech's got a slightly better record. So it's just there's something weird going on there. And I think that they there may be a common thread between just how the mental side of it and how much, you know, all these precautions and the change in everything is affecting how teams play because I don't think that's a coincidence that teams are playing better on the road. They look at, you know, and and, you know, one of the things talking to the basketball staff after this season, they looking back, there are things that affected that team, even though Florida state did well during the regular season, they think there were things that were affected just by the abnormality of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's something to definitely consider, uh, you know, as you look at baseball and every sport on campus. Yeah. Just hit the ball, man. Hey, what do we think about uh, um, Memphis? The old Memphis coming to uh, Florida State in 2024. Did you see that news, Jeff? It dropped just before we started recording. Yeah, I was elated. <laughs> I see. Good, good, but, good segue, Corey. Hey, I tried, man. I we, we I can't do baseball for too long. But uh, but and I, as everybody knows, I'm the captain here. I'm running this show. I'm running this ship. And you um, actually like and you actually like baseball. I was going to move us away from baseball in a second, but please, by all means. Well, if if we were covering Vanderbilt, that's all I'd want to talk about. <laughs> oh, and if you if you watch that team play, good grief, it's not fair. I don't know what's going on there, but it's ridiculous. Um, and they actually well, lost me, the game this weekend. Let me uh, let me salvage your segue. Then, would you, if you're Mike Norvell, are you okaying a game against Memphis? I'm curious about that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I would. Yeah, if by 2024. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, you, I guess you got to think if he's still here at that point, things are going really well. Things are and going things, a lot better. And yeah. if things are going really well, then it's not a concern. But man, you know, you don't want to lose to a team you play. You know, you used to. Well, coach. at least it wasn't the Cowboys, Ira. Like you know, usually when they're scheduling these non-conference games, they're looking for the toughest single team they can play. And now this year it's Memphis, or that year it's Memphis. So that's isn't that the one gap between like the Alabamas and the LSU's and the Georgias? That's twenty twenty four is the one year where they get to. They get to open with Memphis, or they get to open with Charleston Southern, or somebody like that. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They don't have to start out a game against Ohio State, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. It's a, probably a good idea uh, to to have your feet firmly planted on the ground before we go ahead and sink everything. I, don't, I mean, I, you ought to beat Memphis in twenty twenty four. If things are going to go the way we think they're going to go, and certainly the way he thinks it's going to go, they're going to beat Memphis in twenty twenty four. I got you. I'm just saying from a schedule from a. You know, there's a lot of teams out there. If you're looking for a team in the AAC, it seems like, you know, maybe a, a team that you didn't just coach for. But, I mean, I, I'm not against it. It's uh, it's not it a home-and-home, home, right? It's just they're no. coming to Doke. Yeah, it's exactly. kind of odd that, like, in that regard, like, I, I it, it's, he's not really doing Memphis a favor, is he? Uh, no, well, I mean, the Memphis would get paid, I'm sure. I mean, we haven't seen the numbers yet, but I'm sure they're getting – a good chunk of change, probably. But I mean, Memphis could have gotten paid to play Florida or Miami or whoever, Ohio State. Like they could have taken any of those games, right? I wonder. Because, yeah, it helps them recruiting coming into the state of Florida. Oh, yeah, that's true. Do you, so, do you think it was like, a, "I'm sorry, I left"? <laughs> uh, I mean, there's no. no that seems yeah. coi- it seems too coincidental. They haven't played Memphis since uh, 1990, I think. Right. So it seems too coincidental that they would now play them right after they got their coach. Well, a lot of times, you know, a lot of times scheduling does come down to relationships. And yeah. so, you know, it could certainly, it could have helped things. I just, you know, again, I'm not against it. And like, you know, we said, if, if they're, if Florida State's not in a position where that game's a relatively easy win, then Mike Norvell won't be here to watch. He'll have to buy a ticket. Uh, or well, 
if they are able to cash in on that 2022 class that we're looking at, then they're going to beat Memphis. Um, that That's what's got everybody excited is that the, everything seems to be good, going in the right direction. But in particular, they got some really good players that are going to be coming here in the next year or so, or so we think. That's been the most remarkable part of the offseason after a three-win year is to see how many kids are really excited about Florida State football and the momentum that they've gained on the recruiting trail for a bunch of guys that don't have any connections to the state of Florida is really quite shocking. Uh, I think it's the most surprising development for a staff that people have been kind of, you know, wait and see about from the beginning, you know, and, and I don't blame the fan base for being wait and see. They got fried by the last guy. Um, but at the same time, they want to believe, they want to get excited. The only way to do that at all these big time schools is to prove that you're able to bring in big time players. Cause that's what wins the games. Look, Nick Saban's a great coach. They also have better players than everybody else every year. So if, if Florida State's going to get back to being one of those teams, this momentum is the one that I think excites the fans the most. And it's not just, you know, I mean, the 22, 2022 class is what's foremost in everybody's mind. It's also kind of cool that, you know, Michael from our site and the other recruiting guys are already talking to the 2023 kids, which is kids who are going into their junior seasons because recruiting starts so early now. And there's some big-time players in that class that are interested in Florida State. A couple of the receivers from down at uh, Heritage, I think uh, one of them is Brandon Ennis, who's a, supposed to be the number one receiver in the country uh, for that class. He was at that Miami Rivals camp, and Michael interviewed him, and we have a story going up on the site today. But he's very interested in Florida State. And so, you know, it's a long way away. We don't know whether or not, you know, what schools he'll end up, you know, if, if he's like a lot of kids in South Florida, if they're the number one receiver in the country, they usually end up going to Alabama. So we'll see how that plays out. But, um, you know, the fact that Florida State is seen as an attractive option after going three and six and after everything that's happened the last three or four years, it's definitely impressive. And I think you know, these camps, those camps he's going to be doing soon uh, are only going to help that, those camps around the state. I wish he was coming to Atlanta because I want to get you guys' advice. Uh, Brady Clark now wants to play football, but All only right. if he can be the quarterback. So, gonna, look, I live in a very populated part of Gwinnett County is a very populated county. It's a suburb of Atlanta. As you can imagine, there's a lot of very good athletes around here. I don't know that Brady Clark has what it takes to be a starting quarterback as a seventh or eighth, or as an eighth grader on whatever team he was trying to join. But should I let him? Should I should I let him play? I mean, it's not all my decision. He's got a mama too. So, so he wants to play big time football. As in, big boy, we're wearing pads. We're gonna get hit. Oh yeah, yeah. He wants to play football. He's like, I and can he's throw the ball to, really well. Yeah, and he wants to dictate terms to the coach that he's only gonna play quarterback. Well, I said he's like, I want to play football. I'm like, Brady, football's tough, man. It's not just the hitting of it. It's the practice. It's the sweaty. And you got to work hard. You got to get. And he's like, Yeah, but I'm a. If I'm the quarterback, nobody. I'm gonna get to wear that jersey that nobody can touch me. And I'm like, Brady, that's in college, yeah. man. I don't know that they have yeah. green non-contact for eighth graders. Incorrect. And also, and also um, man, you're five foot nothing right now. And he does have a strong arm. He can throw it. But it's like there's more to quarterback as a 13-year-old, which he'd be if he tried out, than throwing the ball hey, far. In fact, got, that's almost nothing. He's got a little hand talent, though. Come on now. He's got a little no, hand he does talent. have some hand talent, and he can throw the ball. But it's like, Brady, he's never played. And what is he going to do? Go and say, "Hey, I'm a quarterback." Yeah, this is problematic, Corey. I think we're. I think you already know the answer. <laughs> but what do you this do? Sounds, what do I do? This like, I don't very, wanna... Yeah, this sounds rhetorical. Well, I, no, because 
look, I, I would tell him, look, you can try out for football. You might make the team. You're a good enough athlete. They're always looking for players. You can make a team. But, buddy, you might be the you might be a tight end. You might be a, a, a second-string safety. You might not play at all. There's no guarantee you're going to be the starting quarterback. So yeah, then, you, gotta, you can't you quit. It you can't clear. quit if you don't win this quarterback job. Yeah, you're going to have to make it abundantly clear that the way football works at that age is you go out and the coach puts you at a lot of different positions to see what you can and can't do. And then they begin to kind of group you according to that skill set. Sure. That's the age I was. When, I was in seventh grade when I first went and played. I had a lot of visions that I was the next Lynn Swan. I was sure of it, that mm-hmm. I was going to be Lynn Swan. Turned I, out I was wrong. Turned out well, I was not Lynn Swan. I wasn't nearly as fast as some of the other guys on my team. I couldn't jump as high, and I didn't have nearly as good as hands. So I was yet still bitterly disappointed when they told me I was not going to be a receiver that first year. Well, uh, a defensive end and a right tackle. There you um, go. Yeah, yeah. So, and I also kicked. Uh, so I did three things, and I had a blast. But I learned I was never going to be a receiver. And I also learned that uh, it didn't work the way that I thought it worked, that, um, you know, it's a punishing sport, a brutal yeah. sport. And, yeah. uh, and, and anyhow, I liked it, and he may like it too, but you're going to have to lay it on the line for him and let him know you don't tell the coach what you're going to play. It doesn't work that way, ever. Well, you know, and I think, you know, just <laughs> I guess you got to decide what, what you're willing to, to deal with going into it because – I, it'll 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 all work itself out, you know. He'll figure it out when he gets out there, and if he goes through a couple of practices, especially when they put on pads, you know, he'll get an understanding of what he's in for. Then it's up to you know whether I guess you need to decide going into it. Are you going to let him if he de- decides he it's not what he thought? Is he going to you know pack it in, or is he going to? No, he can't pack it gonna, in. Well, or are you going to make him not stick with it? In. But also, we we don't lose in this family. You know what I mean? We don't lose out on jobs. So I'm in, I'm with him in the yard every day, raising yeah. brooms. I'm yeah. throwing trash cans at him. All the things that the great QB gurus do. Yeah. I'm I'm making him throw over targets, and it's it's working. He can throw. Um, that's a joke, by the way. We haven't. He asked me to buy him a football the other day at Dick's, and I'm like, man, I'm not buying you. Why would I buy you a football? Because I'm going to be a quarterback, and that's how the whole conversation started. Um, so, yeah, but I, I wouldn't mind it. It does toughen you up, sure. His mom would not go along with it at all. Um, so that would have to be a discussion. But if I got a guarantee from the coach he can be the quarterback, then maybe yeah, she good, would. Good, good luck with that. Good luck. <laughs> I don't think that's, that's going to happen. Seminole Headlines, 97 Audio ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. And let me clarify as we come back here on Seminole Headlines that what I mean is not that young Brady can't win the job, but that you can't guarantee that he's going to be the quarterback. Uh, to, to well, in my, my, I envision that in an eighth grade football team, the quarterback is probably the best athlete on the team. Usually, Generally. Yeah. Yep, Brady yep, Clark true. will not be the best athlete that, on that team. He correct. might have the strongest arm. Like, he does have an arm. But Maybe. I don't know that that matters a lot as a 13-year-old. No, that's going to be a toughie. That's yeah. going to be a toughie. Uh, you, Jeff, you, were, you were a very good athlete, but the quarterback on your high school team was a better athlete. Oh, probably the best athlete I've ever been around. He went yeah. on to play in the NFL for nine years. Yeah, so I don't know that Brady's <laughs> got that in him. The- the best part about football, though, man, is it 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 also like I said, it just all settles itself. Like when 
I remember when I coached up in Thomasville, like 12 year olds, and we had kids that would want to play running back because we had a really good, the guy that coached the team was a bank president, really sharp guy and knew how to coach youth football. And maybe we would just wear teams out. And he had a really good running game, really good schemes. And, and we had really good running backs. So the other kids would every once in a while be like, hey, I want to play running back too because it looks like fun the way yeah. Ricardo and Steven yeah. are running for 20-yard touchdowns. And so he would just be like, okay, all right. And he'd put him at running back and mm. let, him, let, let, him, let him run a few snaps. And suddenly it didn't seem quite as attractive. So, you know, it, also, it all settles itself out in football. My favorite part of coaching at that age uh, or coaching kids that age are the parents who walk up to you and tell you that their kid should be a quarterback. Right. I don't like what Brady is going to ask of his dad uh, <laughs> here when he goes and plays. That's always fun to have that guy call you over at the end of the first day of practice and say, listen, I know you, you got to try guys out, but my kid is a really good quarterback. Mm. And, and they try to not so subtly hint to you that they think their kid should play quarterback. You have already seen enough to know their kid is not going to play quarterback. And then you try to let him down easy. It's kind of tough. They come to the next practice. Their kid's not a quarterback. So we were talking last week, Coach, and I was just noting that I understand you got to try guys out, but I, I couldn't help but notice today my, my boy Forrest isn't playing quarterback right now. I, I just I, I see you got him on the defensive side there at nose tackle. And uh, I understand he's a little beefy for his age, but he can really throw it. He can really throw it. That's the, those are the fun conversations. Yeah, yeah well, so, we'll, probably have a, we'll probably have a few of those. I can see Brady being a possession receiver. <laughs> so you go to on third and six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, uh, the the stuff with Edelman, like people making a case that it's always Boston people, Boston media, like Edelman could be a Hall of Famer, he should be a Hall of Famer. Like, are you high? Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, if you compared his numbers to even Anquan, and Anquan's not a surefire Hall of Famer. I don't know if Anquan's getting in. Anquan doubles him in almost every category. It's remarkable how... And, and Edelman got to play with Brady. I don't know. It's just it's funny how. Well, that, by the way, the, the key the key here is that Edelman is not making the case for Edelman. No, I mean, just, yeah, Edelman. Just, knows. You know, I mean, and fans do that, and media in that area do that. But roll your eyes. It's like this thing yesterday where FSU Twitter was so mad, or I don't know if it was FSU Twitter per se, but people who are uh, loyal to FSU were mad at. My boy Andy Staples. Who Your boy. That. You're right. Oh, die. Yeah. Andy Staples. Yeah. He, 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 congratulations. So, yeah, but what by a the way, list that was. Well, of course. Uh, I think he kind of said as much when he posted it. Um, but I laughed because it served what it was supposed to serve. Like I didn't even give it a time of day because who cares what Andy Staples says about some fake league. Or super league or what whatever. Was it? it was the it was on the under the auspices conference. of what the soccer the soccer, the soccer yeah. teams are doing. They're now, making their own being, super league. I'm not being an ass to Andy or anybody in particular, but I really don't care what anybody's list would be for this fictitious super conference. It doesn't. It, it's meant to do what it's going to do in late April, which is get people to click and get angry that their team's I, not on it. Hey, I don't bother with that nonsense. I just think it was funny that he's one of your co-coaches for the celebrity coach-off thing. And then a week later, puts Nebraska on a, on a on a list of teams that should be in a super conference ahead yeah. of Florida State. Hey, sorry, dude, sorry. There we go. I, I it, it, it made I, I don't understand what's going on with Ira. This is weird. Uh, this is at least five shows in a row. It's like he's got a DiMaggio streak going, where he wants to <laughs> he wants to curse at least once every show, and I don't understand it. Right. You hey, went hey, you hey. went five years without doing it once, My and bad. now it's every show. I think it's being in the house. Not being face to face. By the way, that should be coming back the next time I'm in town. 
we'll let's do it go. in the studio. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Let's do it. You're there. Hey, let's go. By the way, equally appalling on that list is that no-name Michigan school that hasn't done anything in 40 years. What, I mean, yeah. what, what are we talking about Michigan for? I mean, this is ain't the 80s. Yeah. What are we doing? I mean, there, there's no reason to have them brought up here. They really um, are. It's, it's, it's funny, man. Like, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just because we remember schools from when we were kids or if it's because the media – the national media and who they put on TV in the prime spots. But like Michigan and Texas, if you can look back over the 30, 40 years, I mean, it's ridiculous how bad those programs have been. I've, I've ripped Texas and obviously for, you know, I got Oklahoma ties. I've ripped Texas forever. Even Mac Brown and winning a national championship with a transcendent quarterback uh, won a grand total of two, two conference titles the entire 16 years he was there. Two. Yeah. Yeah, what a bitch ass record that is! Two, yeah. two titles, two. Pitiful. So yeah, man, I don't, I, 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 you know, that's 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 terrible. But the list, like in, by definition, even if we did a list and it was a national list, and oh, it's, impo- it's impossible. It's impossible. You're gonna infuriate people. Yeah, but there's I mean, no, there's obviously whether you're trying to do a list to get clicks or not. There's no rational explanation for Nebraska over Florida State. No, that's all I'm it's saying. Just, it's it, it makes no sense. Like there's no. I mean, Florida State won a national title eight years ago. They were the number one team in the country seven years ago. Nebraska hasn't been relevant in 20 years and continue to get worse. So what possible rationale could you have other than they're in the Big Ten um, that you would possibly have for Nebraska? Well, it would be the same same rationale for Michigan. And and basically that is that they're two of the blue blood programs in college football. Michigan has the most wins all time. no blood bluer than Florida State. Listen to me. Tired of it now. I got you. I'm not making a case for them over Florida State. I'm saying that that's what people do. That's why people still talk about Michigan, because they've been around longer than everybody else, and they've amassed the most amount of wins. They've been relevant from a year-to-year basis in, in a very long time. Um, I, you know, Nebraska was once one of the preeminent programs, one of the best college football has ever known. But you're right. They haven't done anything since 2000. And uh, or 2000, what year was that they lost in Was that 2002? one. Yeah. 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 So it's been God dog over 20 years. So it's amazing. I do think, by the way, another reason that you get the reaction, especially as it pertains specifically to Florida State, is there is this underlying fear, and we can get all big picture here, that Florida State's going to end up like Nebraska. Like if you talk to, if I talk to fellow Knowles, like deep down, they don't believe it's going to happen. They've got really geography in their favor. To, to a large extent, over say Nebraska, right? But but the sense that a dominant, preeminent, elite program can just go away and not matter anymore scares the hell out of Florida State fans, as it should. It scares all of us because Nebraska has proven that you can be top dog for the better part of eighty years and now not matter even a little bit. Miami, to a large degree, hasn't mattered in a very long time. And you can look around the country and see that, man, it's going to be tough for a lot of those programs to get back. And I just think Florida State fans, for every year we've been down these last four, are scared to death because of the financial situation and geography. Even though we talk about the region rich, fertile for recruiting, it is damn impossible to get here. It is very, very difficult to get here. And we've seen the attendance problems. I just think that's another reason you get the hyper reaction when these lists go up and Florida State gets ignored in any way is that people are like, man, it's starting. I mean, I think that I don't. I think that there's more of the short term frustration 
that that affects that. But I do think the long term concern is is there as well. I mean, so what you're yeah. what you're pointing to. I mean, I, there especially when you look at schools, you know, like a Tennessee or or some schools that traditionally were really powerful, and then you see them slide and then never recover, and it makes people wonder, wow, could that be us? But I do think geography is a huge issue. I mean, Tennessee has always had to recruit in Atlanta and South Carolina. They've had to go into other places to get their players, and Florida State doesn't have to do that. So that's a, a huge benefit. I just feel like if, if, if you're a state school, certainly one of the big three, you know, Miami's problem is they've never hit it right with a coach. You know, they've, they've, you know, they, they, Shannon and Coker and, uh, you know, I mean, I think Butch would have been the guy maybe if he couldn't have, wouldn't have gotten in trouble, um, you know, or, or wanted to go to the NFL, but you know, you, uh, what's his name? Uh, who was the guy, the, the guy from the last few years, the, with the tie Al Golden. I mean, Al they just, Golden, they've, yeah. had, they've had so many bad, if they got the right coach, I think they could come back. I know Corey doesn't think they'll ever be back, but, but I, I think but if I, the I right think... coach, they could. And as long as I think any of Florida State or Florida, if you've got the right coach, the right coaching staff, and you support it, I don't think you're in danger of ever becoming irrelevant. Now, there's challenges financially, obviously, um, but I think the geography is a huge part of it. Well, and, and you go back to Florida State in 12 or 13, and I'm not trying to diminish Jimbo at all because Jimbo did a great job at Florida State in the early part, but Jimbo's not Nick Saban. Jimbo's not Newt Rockney. I mean, he's not an incredible football coach and he he won 29 straight games like it's still it's still possible at Florida State and that wasn't 20 years ago that was seven that was six that was in the most of the current landscape that we have now it's, it wasn't the gap wasn't as big between the SEC and the ACC then but it was still big and he still found a way to put together a team like that so I just think recency uh you know, recent years shows you that it's a little more possible at Florida State than again at Miami and look, Florida State, if they build that, when they, if and when they build that new football house, uh, th- they will be close to what all these other schools have around the, around the country. Miami can never have the facilities. They just don't, and they never will. And I think that does matter now more than it did in 1999 or 1985. Let's come back, wrap up the hour momentarily on Seminole Headlines. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Since we last spoke, guys, Balsa declared, and we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week. Um, well, because it happened, I think, after we did Seminole Headlines. Uh, I, I think, you know, we're probably the three of us were not all that shocked to hear that. We had kind of entertained the idea that it was a distinct possibility that Balsa could declare. I know people close to the program were actually for a good bit of this year more worried about him declaring than they were Raekwon uh, Gray. Uh, your thoughts, uh, Corey, start with you on, on Balsa leaving and, and what that does for Florida State. Uh, you know, it's not great uh, because I think he had a chance to be a, a all-ACC caliber player next year. Um, it, you know, the way he de- the way he was developing – um, it's just, man, it just makes you shake your head. Like, you know, you see all, you see some schools where their guys come back and then Florida state has a guy that is a sophomore that averaged eight points a game that is in no guarantee of getting drafted at all. Um, uh, whether he's a, whether he's, they're intrigued or not, there's only 60 spots and there's not a great, you know, his odds are, I don't know, 50, 50 at best that he gets drafted. Uh, it's just, you know, but he wants to go start his pro career somewhere and it's just, you know, when, when can Leonard get some luck? You know, best team he's ever had, there's COVID. Potentially the best team he's ever going to have in 2021, 2022, 
Uh, two guys that would have really helped both decide to leave, even though they're not guaranteed draft picks. Well, who are the? But hey, two? man, good luck. Who, I hope he, who, I hope it works out for him. I mean, I, here's the thing, though. I think I don't think any of this is unexpected. I think they've, as, as, as Jeff mentioned, I mean, I think you know they've been thinking Raekwon was likely gone for a while, and they definitely have been thinking the same thing with Balsha. And we mentioned it on the show before because we had a we got a question last week or the week before asking about why would we even think Balsha would consider playing overseas. There's a lot of money overseas. It's not like the NBA is the only path. And if and if you're a guy, and I think Balsha was a guy that was a little bit, I think he was a little bit older coming out of high school. He went to a couple different prep schools. I don't think he was a guy that ever thought, I'm going to college for four years. And then after my four years of college, I'll hopefully play professional basketball. I really think it was about developing to a point where he could become marketable as a pro player. And I think he feels like he did that. And so now, whether it's the NBA, maybe, but it's not like, He's a kid that grew up in Cleveland and his whole, you know, he, he has to play in the NBA. I mean, his, his family's from overseas. I think Europe is a great option. And a lot of those leagues play, pay plenty of money. And I think Raekwon's a guy that, I mean, I think he's going to be an NBA guy and they think he's going to be an NBA guy, but he also could make plenty of money overseas as well. And the, the G league's an option. It's just, I don't think, you know, if you're, if you're a player with really high level potential, I don't know how many guys are staying in college four years right now. And then, the, and that's not even the mention the transfer portal. We, you asked about Leonard having luck. At least he's not having half his team transfer like so many of these other colleges are to other schools. Well, and just note, Corey, um, you know, every kid on that Baylor roster was a transfer that won the national championship. And I know they came back, yeah. but they were all transfers. They, weren't, they did not originally go to Baylor. That's the way of the world anymore. And luckily, Leonard and his staff, do a really good job of mining those those kinds of kids, right? They they've got a reputation for State does of being a, a, a go-to place to go play big time college basketball, have success, make the tournament, play for conference championships and what is usually one of the best two conferences in the country, make the sweet 16 annually. So they, they'll put their name in the hat now for some huge names yeah. and we'll see. Maybe they'll maybe their luck will be right there because Florida State's now a destination school. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And the transfer portal is, I mean, it's incredible. It is over flooded. It's, it's every day there's 20 kids entering that yeah. thing. Good players, like, you know, conference player of the year type players. Um, we got so we'll one from Houston. Yeah, and you got a guy from Houston coming in. So we'll see how it, uh, how it manifests itself. It's just, you know, again, I can see the, well, it's just, you know, I don't think, does, does anybody think Florida State's not going to be a very super talented team next season between the recruits they've got coming in? Some of the kids they've got coming back, and then what they're going to do well, in the transfer my, portal. My one, my one concern about the team next year is that who are who are you've lost now? Raekwon and MJ were the guys that that culture carriers. They're the guys that were there for three or four years, and they're gone. So it's going to be Anthony Polite, who doesn't say a lot, but it might be he could lead by example, and that's about it for guys that have been in the program three or four years. And that is one of the things that has made Florida State special is they've had three or four. They've had guys that have been there for three or four years along with the super talented guys. And now it seems like uh, maybe Malik, who's also a transfer from Rice, but P- Polite seems like the only one that's been there for three or four years. Wilkes, maybe, but he doesn't play a ton. No, You'd Malik like to have is, two Malik's starters. Malik's a good candidate. Malik's definitely a good candidate. guy. Yeah. yeah, he's been there long enough, and he seems committed, and he loves Hamilton. I think he could be a guy that leads that and way. you might bring in a guy that's better than Raekwon. You might bring in a guy that's better than Bosser, fits, right. off- fits the offense and the defense better. The portal is out there now, so... They're going to have to hit it, though. 
I mean, everybody else is. They're going to have to get, I would think, one or two more guys out of that out of that portal. But yeah, I just think if you, you know, you wouldn't have thought that that one guy specifically that averaged eight points a game or whatever, and sometimes would play nine minutes in a game, would leave. But that's the way of the world. That's how it works now. Yeah. It is frustrating. It's not surprising. We have a lot of questions that are going to be posed to us about it. I think Florida State uh, I, I, is going to be really good next year. I think we all think that. What it's going to look like is right now a bit of a mystery because we don't know who they're going to bring in. But I know this, that the second that news hit, you saw a couple of bigs reconsider, and they seemed like slam dunks to go elsewhere, that Florida State was not even on their list anymore. And the second that that position kind of opened up and Florida State showed a little bit of interest, you had a couple of kids specifically say, well, I want to take a look again at Florida State maybe before I make well, my decision. Well, don't forget, you still got in gum. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I wasn't a I joke. Would, I was being serious. I, I didn't take the bait, and I'm not taking it. I'm, I'm, hey, I'm, done, I'm done talking about it. We're going to see in 2022 <laughs> what the is all about. That was a, hey, that's what I always said. Nagam in 22. I never said what yep. he was going to do in 2021. Right. But y'all wanted to tweet at me, and you wanted to text me during games. Uh, I didn't. 2022. Didn't. Oh, you definitely did that text to me. I never tweeted at you once. No, I said texted. You said tweet beginning. I said well, he said texted and tweeted, Jeff. Open your ears. And Listen I to said, me for a second. He sucked last year. And that was my 22. original point. Nagama twenty two is the sign I've been holding is Nagama oh, yeah. twenty two. Yep. He's gonna average twelve and eight, four blocks a game. It's uh, a lot of Iro, stuff gonna Iro happen. wants to he's, die on the end gum He's you gonna go be a, he's, gonna, he's gonna be a problem. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Hour number two, headline and questions forthcoming. Stay with. <laughs> Seminal headlines will take a breather. More next.